You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey guys, I am so excited to introduce a new podcast series right here on the Young Adult Podcast. It's simply entitled My Story. What we want to do is we want to give people who are a part of the Young Adult community an opportunity to tell their story. And I hope that over the next months, years, and beyond that we give people a, a platform to tell their story. My hope is that many of you have told your story to a close group of friends, um, but I think that there's power in, in sharing it with people that you might not even know because what we know is that our stories are powerful and they're impactful and Jesus uses uh, our life circumstances, the peaks and the valleys to impact the people around us. There is incredible power in hearing somebody's story and being like, wow, somebody's going through something that I'm going through or somebody got through something that I'm currently going through or I need to reach out to that person because they're currently in something and God brought me through it, whatever the case may be. So we're so excited, so, so excited uh, to allow people the opportunity to tell their story. And in the first episode, we have Hannah Riley, who's uh, been a part of Young Adults for a little over a year now. She's a dear friend, and she has an incredible testimony. And I hope that you get as much out of it as I did as I sat across a table and listened to Hannah tell her story. So for the very first episode of My Story, here is Hannah Riley. Okay, we're recording now, Hannah. (laughs) So glad that you're here. Um, I... I'm really excited to hear your story. We've known each other for a year a and year. some months, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you are on the serve team for young adults. Mm-hmm. And you a lot of people know you from worship and just all of the things that you do for Faith Chapel. Super excited to hear your story. But I haven't even heard your whole story. So I feel like I'm getting to hear all the nitty gritty for the first time. right now as everybody else is listening to it so that's really (laughs) exciting so hannah tell us your story okay well um i've always like struggled starting off telling my testimony because it's like people always say like oh i grew up in a christian household or oh i didn't but mine was like kind of lukewarm so i when i was like three or four my parents got divorced and so like that was hard Mm -hmm. just like right off the bat that's like probably my earliest memory is there was just like a ton of fighting. It was like Mm. just not a healthy household to be in. Um, And so my dad moved out and then my mom, my brother and I actually had to move in with my grandparents into Billings. And um, my mom was working out at a school. And so we had like 35, 40 minutes every morning to like drive out to work. And for the first like year of their divorce, it was a lot of like, my mom would play like Caleb in the car and that was our church. And my grandparents are like really, really strong believers. And they're like, the reason I know Jesus today is what I think. Um, and so my mom would play like Caleb on the way out there, but then like in the midst of that, she'd be like cussing at God and just being like so angry, which is like valid, like absolutely angry. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so we, Drove like 40 minutes every day out so she could go to work. And um, because my grandparents are older, they obviously like couldn't take care of two kids. Yeah. And my brother was in kindergarten and I wasn't able to be in school yet. So 
I would literally just go. My mom was a lunch lady, actually, which is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so I would hang out in, like, the kitchen area all the time. Okay. And so I was, like, always with my mom. So growing up, we were super close. Um, and, yeah, so then when I started kindergarten, my dad actually, he left my life for a little bit at that point, like, right after the divorce. I think they just needed some time. So I didn't get to see him a lot. And then starting in kindergarten, we would have like dad's weekends or like mm. mom's weekends. And we would sure. kind of split our time, which was like a natural thing for me. Like I didn't really think anything of it. But now that I'm like older, I'm like, oh, that's not that normal. Like yeah. it happens like way too often. And yeah. I'm very passionate that that should not be a thing. Yeah. But we can go into that some <laughs> other time. Um, so, yeah, we would go to my dad's house on the weekends. And the only thing I really remember from like spending time at my dad's apartment was like nasty food and we would just sit and watch like the simpsons sure and that's it just growing up watching the simpsons and just (laughs) not really like talking to each other just like kind of chilling there which was like harder than i thought it was like for me that was normal for a long long time and then after hearing my mom talk about my dad there was a lot of like smack talk between my parents which was hard Mm. um so I had a really bad view of my dad for a really, really long time, and I didn't really understand why I did. It was more just like my mom didn't like my dad, so I didn't like my dad. Yeah. Um, and then starting in, like, second grade, I actually started to become, like, friends with my dad, which was cool. Hmm. Um, he had, like, I think he had a lot of love for me at that point because I was young, and, like, you're supposed to love your daughter, you know? Um. And then, so yeah, we got a little bit closer. And then, let's see, like a year after that, after I was spending a lot more time with my dad, um, he, it was around Christmas time of my like third, fourth grade year. And he had my brother and I over at his apartment and sat us down. And I like remember it so vividly. We were all just like watching movie and he just paused it. I was like, what are you doing? Like, are you going to get a beer or something? Because that was just, like, natural. Um, Oh, and, like, before this, like, he was very abusive. Mm. And, like, that's something that I kind of looked past for a long time because I didn't know it was wrong. Um, Mm. And so, like, he, especially to my brother, he was terrible. Like, very physically and verbally abusive to both of us, but, like, especially Mm. my brother. And so, like, that was hard to see. And, like, starting then, I compared myself to my brother a lot. Um. Anyway, so then going back to this night, he, like, paused the movie and, like, was like, okay, kids, I need to talk to you for a second. I was like, oh, gosh, okay, what's up? And so he let us know that he was feeling homesick. And my dad's from Ireland, so it wasn't, like, a shock to me that he was going back to visit his family. Um, But that was his excuse. And after that day, I, like, never saw him again. Um, He didn't reach out. He didn't text. He didn't call. I think he tried to call me one time on my birthday, like, three years after he had left, but I didn't actually get to talk to him. Um, I still have suspicions of why I didn't get to talk to him. Sure. Because obviously it was going through my mom's phone. Yeah. So you can kind of yeah. figure that one out. Yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, after he left, it was a lot of just, like, confusion for me because I was like, oh, like, no, he'll come back for sure. Like, he's just homesick. He's going back to Ireland, like, maybe a month. Like, right. that's it. And then, like, years and years and years kept passing I was like oh yeah I'm never gonna see him again yeah. so that was pretty tough um and then yeah so growing up I went to a really small school 
And so everybody knew everybody mm-hmm. and everybody knew everything about each other. Sure. And that was terrible. <laughs> so my mom worked at the school. And so she, after all of this happened, was obviously like really struggling. And so she had let my teacher know that my dad left. And my teacher ended up telling my entire class that my dad had just left. And so starting from that point, I was bullied a lot in Mm. school, Um, which is weird because I feel like people should be nicer. But they were just (laughs) they were terrible. Um, There was this one girl specifically who just had it out for me. I don't know what what happened, but she like, yeah, she was just really, really awful. Um, and that started a lot of my like insecurities that I didn't think I would ever have. Cause growing up, I was like really confident. I would like look in the mirror and be so proud of everything that I was. And I was just a very sassy individual. <laughs> Not a lot has changed. You, yeah, I was gonna say, you <laughs> I'm were still sassy. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, that started a lot of my insecurities. And honestly, like from fourth, fifth grade on, I have like really struggled, like hating myself, mm. just like everything about myself, my personality, the way I look, like my weight, my body, like all of the things that you can be insecure about. I was pretty much like, I hated it. So, um, because of my insecurities, I tried to find my identity in a lot of different things for a while. It was volleyball for a while. It was choir. It was friends. It was different relationships, different friendships. And I had a lot of like friendships and like a lot of really really close friends in like middle school into the summer of my like freshman year but I didn't realize until actually like fairly recently like how terrible those friendships were Mm. for me um it was a lot of like oh like yeah Hannah plays volleyball but she's never going to be good enough to like be on the A team but we'll still be friends with her because she's like decent I was like oh okay like hearing that's super fun yeah whatever um so yeah, starting at a really young age, I really struggled with comparison. And like through this time, I don't think I knew Jesus. I don't think I had right. any sort of relationship with him. Um, at about sixth grade, I started going to a youth group and it was like super fun. Like it was a great time. Didn't know why I was there. Sure. Didn't make sense <laughs> to me. I was like, oh, okay, let's go hang out on a Wednesday night with a bunch yeah. of cool people, whatever. Yeah. Um, but even my youth group was really small. It was made up of a huge family. They were all cousins and then like four or five other people. Yeah. <laughs> so if you weren't part of the family, you were kind of like automatically an outcast, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, so starting in sixth grade, I finally started going to church and finally starting to like explore that mm-hmm. and like stepping into that church. I had never like heard the gospel and like, I was just kind of expected like growing up in Sunday school to know the answers, Sure. Yeah. but I just didn't. Yeah. Um, so starting at that youth group, I heard the gospel, didn't really know what it meant, but was way too scared to ask questions. Mm. I was like, for sure curious, but it was just a lot of like questioning internally instead of like actually asking people those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was my first year at that church. They actually got a new youth pastor and him and I clicked like right away. I was like, oh, this could be like a dad figure for sure. Like mm-hmm. this guy's super awesome. Um, and he took a lot of time to like intentionally get to know me, which was like so unheard of for me. Right. It was so crazy. And I just felt so loved there. So I was like, okay, this is going to be my spot. I don't know why. I don't know why I love these people, but yeah, let's go for it. So, um, through that time, the church was like 45 minutes away from where I was living. Mm. Um, which was 
difficult because during that same time, my mom had a lot of guys in and out of the house. Mm. She was trying to find fulfillment in relationships with men, which is like hard to see your mom being so broken and angry and sad over this divorce, over this guy leaving her that she would try to run to other men to like find fulfillment. And I knew that that was a bad thing starting very, very young. Um, so she had a lot of guys in and out of the house and they would always come to like drop me off at youth group with my mom because they were always living with us. Like there was a new guy moving in. Seemed like every month. It was crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And so it was a lot of like, oh, I'm inviting this new man into my life as like a father figure. Oh, that one left too. Great. And it was just kind of a cycle of like abandonment issues and insecurities of like, oh, they're leaving because of me. Like Mm. I'm not good enough. Like. My mom is trying to find satisfaction in men because she doesn't love her children enough, which is not the case. Like, my mom is so amazing, and, like, I never want to take away from the parent that she is and, like, always has been. But there definitely have been some insecurities that have popped up from that, and I've just, like, held on to those. Um, And so, anyway, driving into youth group, like, it was always fighting. Like, no matter – like, if I was having the best day of my life, something in the car ride would happen, and it would just be butting heads. And it was mainly me and my mom's boyfriends did not yeah. get along at all. It was it was bad. I was a little turd, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, growing up in that youth group was super awesome and, like, helpful for the most part until I got to my eighth grade year. So there was, a to- like, a solid two years that were super, super awesome. Um, I, like, went on my first missions trip and, like, mm. all of this stuff. It was super cool. Um, and then in my eighth grade year, there was this group of guys that started coming to our youth group and they were very attractive. Like, obviously, like I'm a middle school girl. <laughs> I'm going to find them attractive. It's yeah. just how it was. And so I, from that point started being like, oh, well I have to dress cute to church because they're going to be there. Sure. Or, oh, I have to like stand in the front during worship and raise my hands yeah. because they're going to see me and they're going to fall in love with me and we're going to get married. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my kind of like facade that I would put on started at that point and I was lying about a lot of stuff about who I was like I would try to hide the fact that I didn't have a dad not that it like super mattered in those instances but I thought it was like oh as soon as a guy found out that I don't have a dad they're gonna think I'm too wounded to love Mm. and that's something that I have hung on to for a really really long time um so yeah I would say in eighth grade that really started And that also started my really bad decisions because of those, (laughs) that group of guys. I saw them like vaping and drinking and sleeping around and being in different relationships every week that I thought it was cool. And so that's when it started for me Um, in literally in eighth grade, which is so young and serving in junior high, I've realized like, man, they are so young. And yeah. there are so many things that they see. If I could go back and yell at little Hannah, oh my gosh, I would <laughs> scream. Um, but yeah, starting in eighth grade, I started vaping a lot. And like, that was my first thing where I was like, this is cool. I'm going to do this. It's fun. Yeah. When actually I just started to feel so terrible and it started a lot of like actual health issues for me. Um, mm. And like from this point, I was really into like music and singing and my family is a very musical family, and so we were always singing. It was super awesome. Um, but I, like, found out. I was like, oh, I, like, can't stop coughing. I feel like trash. Hmm. Literally, like, six months into me vaping, literally every day, like, 
It was so much. It was bad. I like rethinking about it. Thirteen year old lungs. I know. Seriously, I would probably had lungs of a ninety year old. It was (laughs) terrible. Um. So yeah, I started making really bad decisions and like obviously not going to youth group for the right reasons and like. I, during worship, I would like have my hands raised, and then after worship, I'd go to the bathroom, vape a little bit, come back, listen to the sermon, get really into it, feel the Holy Spirit, Mm. what I thought was the Holy Spirit, learn more about Jesus, go to the bathroom and vape, come back because I couldn't sit for thirty minutes without vaping. Mm. Um, and then on like Friday nights, I would go out with that same group and I would drink, Mm -hmm. or I would just be partying, or I would be like hanging out with a new guy and doing things that I know I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. Um, and so then on the weekends with that same group, we'd go to church together. Sure. So it was a lot of like, I thought this was normal. I thought that like Jesus was only on Wednesdays and only on Sundays. Mm. Um, and that actually lasted for way longer than I'd like to admit. But yeah, from that point, I had a really like skewed view of who I should be because I wanted to be loved. Mm. And that all stemmed from my dad leaving. And like, as much as I don't want to blame it on that one thing, it really was like, that's where it all started. And just hearing like comments being made about like the way I looked from either girls in middle school or my brother or my mom or different guys that I was talking to just like ways that I needed to change and ways I needed to be better. Um, I started like, trying not to eat as much or like trying to work out more just to look the way that I thought I should have looked. Sure. Um, and I think that's a pretty common theme for girls, which is so sad. And I like love talking about it because I'm like, there's so much healing there. Like I would love to just chat with you about that. (sighs) Um, but starting from that age, I would say like middle of my eighth grade year towards the end was like really bad physically. Um, I was doing whatever I could to like lose weight or look prettier or whatever. Um, and then towards the end of my eighth grade year, I got my first official boyfriend mm. and I was so excited. He yeah. was so cute. So nice. <laughs> he really loved Jesus so much. <laughs> he didn't. Um, yeah, we were making some really bad decisions mm-hmm. as 12 year olds and it was a lot of like, I only was dating him so I could feel fulfilled. Sure. And I didn't know that that's what I was looking for until I found Jesus. Yeah. And looking back on that specific, like, year, like, eighth graders don't know what love is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought I was in love. I thought yeah. I was going to marry him. Yeah. But we lasted, like, a solid three months. It wow. was kind of, it was a long yeah, time. Yeah, long term, yeah. Yeah, it was really intense. Um. So... During those three months of dating this boy, I ended up getting really depressed, Mm. like terrible. There were points where I would like sit and be like texting him and he would just say like, oh, I don't even know like why I talk to you. You're so annoying. I was like, but I love you. No. And just like hearing like, oh, you're so annoying. You're way too much. You're way too little. Like I need... Like, more of you in this way. I need less of you in this way. Like, yeah. as an eighth grader, you don't want to hear that. Right. As a person, you don't want to yeah. hear that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, especially as, like, a growing and, like, learning child, like, that's so hard to hear. Um. Anyway, moving on to that summer, me and that guy broke up. And in the same week, I found out that I had to move. So I was in this little small town, and now I had to move back into Billings and go to school in Billings. 
and I didn't know anybody. And mm-hmm. going to a double A school from a class B school yeah. is like huge. Yeah. Um, in my grade alone, when I transferred into Billings, there was probably like five, six hundred, and yeah. that's how many were total in kindergarten through twelfth grade. Right. So it was like a huge culture shock. Yeah. I've never seen so many people in my life. So starting at high school in Billings was like so freeing. I was like, holy crap, I get to be a new person. I get to figure out who I am. Did not make the right decision of who I thought I wanted to be. Sure. Um, literally on like the third day of my freshman year, I asked this guy, I was like, hey, what are you doing later? It was a Friday night. He knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was like, we should hang out. We ended up drinking, getting drunk, whatever, smoking a lot. It was like probably the worst night of my life. Mm. Um, yeah, just a lot of mistakes were made. And I thought that I was like set and ready to go for the year. I was like, okay, I'm my first friend. This is going to be good. Like throughout my entire life, I've never had like solid friends. That's just something I've always struggled with. Um, and it makes me question like, oh, like, am I really that annoying? Am I really like way too much for these hmm. like people? Yeah. Like I'm never going to find somebody who loves me just for me. So I had to like try to change, I guess, in order to fit what I thought they wanted when actually a lot of those people just wanted to know me, but I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was a lot of my freshman year. It was a lot of finding boys that would fulfill me for like a week or two and then I'd move on mm-hmm. or finding like girls who I thought were like so pretty and so nice and so fun. I would hang out with them, make super stupid decisions and like gossip a lot. I didn't realize like how hurtful gossip is until yeah. I was on the other side of right. it. Yeah. Like when you're gossiping, like it feels good. Like <laughs> that's the way that I think the enemy works a lot is like making sin fun. Yeah. Um, and so like, I would be sitting in the cafeteria with these girls and we would just be like smack talking people that would walk by. I didn't even know these people. (sighs) I'd be like, ew, look at what she's wearing. That's so nasty. And it would like fulfill me for whatever reason because I was like searching and searching and searching to be fulfilled because I had like this emptiness in me. Um, And that was kind of a reoccurring theme, honestly, through high school. Um, I never really found like my people. Every year I had a new group that I would run to. I would say my junior year was like, the healthiest I had ever been. Um, I started hanging out again with people from youth group, but like a different group of people. It was like the big family that had gone to church their whole life. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll try these Christians, whatever. I'll try <laughs> hanging out with them. And like that year, I think was the first time I ever witnessed Jesus like move and work. Mm. I went to Ecuador on a missions trip and mm. literally right before I went to Ecuador, I thought I gave my life to Jesus. I like thought I surrendered, thought I was good and ready to go. I was like, well, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Like I may as well love Jesus, I guess. Yeah. Um, little did I know my life would be so changed on that trip. It's insane. So right before that trip, I got in a really, really huge fight with my mom. And it was a lot of me just saying like, oh, I hate myself. Like there's nothing about who I am that anybody's going to love. Like I don't know why I'm going to Ecuador. Like I'm not going to be able to serve the way I need to serve because I'm incapable of doing good things. And that was like a big thing. I have always thought that I'm just like so incapable of accomplishing things just like in general. Um, And so I went on that mission trip after like one night at youth group saying like, okay, Jesus, like finally I'm in, like I'm ready. I just want to see like who you are, please. Mm -hmm. Like, 
whatever you do, just like show me something. Yeah. Um, and so flew to Ecuador, had literally the best time of my life. I got to serve like these little tiny Ecuadorian children and like help build a preschool. And like I led them in worship. And that was the first time I had ever sung that wasn't like in my shower. Sure. So like I was finally experiencing like what freedom was starting to look like. And through this time, the youth pastor from that same church and I had gotten even closer, finally started opening up about some of the mistakes that I was making and like some of the sin that I was living in, um, which was like hard to talk about out loud. I didn't realize like how hard it is to be honest. Um, It was like trying to think. I think it was like three months before the missions trip is the first time I had ever told anybody that I like drank or smoked or anything except yeah. for the people that I was doing it with, yeah. obviously. But like through that time I was like hiding it. Cause I would go to church, be a Christian girl. I'd like wear a dress on Sunday. It was a very Baptist church. So yeah. as long as I looked the part, I was set. It yeah. was good. Um, and so that's like what I thought Christianity was. And then going to Ecuador and seeing how like these people don't have as much access to the good news as we do they still wanted it. So that was like super changing for me. And like, that's what sparked my heart for like missions. And it was like really exciting to see something new. Cause I had been in like small schools and small towns my entire life. Like if you grow up in Montana, you know what that feels like. Yeah. Um, and so going to Ecuador, life was changed. Super, super awesome. Came back from Ecuador, fell right back into the sin that I was in because I was not surrendered. (laughs) I was not actually living for Jesus. Um, don't get me wrong. I think the Lord still used me for sure in Ecuador. And I'm sure that there were actual lives changed. It just wasn't mine. Mm. So I haven't like, I haven't seen any of the fruit from that, but I'm sure there were some because God is just that good that he would use literally anybody to witness to somebody. So, um, I came back and then going into my senior year, I had maybe like one friend. I was probably at the lowest like mental state that I've ever been at. Um, I was very suicidal for a long time. Um, yeah, this is like honestly one of the first times I've ever like talked about that. So it's like a little bit hard. Um, yeah, it was like for whatever reason, being suicidal in high school was trendy. Like mm. if you weren't depressed, if you weren't anxious, like you weren't cool. Except for if you were, like, a jock. Like, obviously, like, if you you were sporty, you have it all together. But if you're not in sports, then you better be depressed or you're not cool. (laughs) So I, like, really fell into that. But it wasn't just, like, a facade for me. Like, I was feeling it. Yeah. And that's when I first started, like, not first, but, like, that's when I really started thinking about, like, oh, I don't have a dad. Like, I wasn't enough for him to stay around. Like, I wasn't enough for him to love me. Or I've made so many bad decisions like why does anybody care about me like if my mom knew what I've done like she would never love me like she'd leave me too um or like I like think the world of my brother and like he's so awesome but if he ever found out of like what I've done he would hate me Mm -hmm. same goes with my grandparents like they're angels (laughs) and like I was literally living with them at this point, but I was like vaping in the next room. I was (laughs) drunk in the next room. I was coming home stoned off of my mind. 
yeah. in the next room, but I didn't care until this point when I finally started getting like broken yeah. in the best way. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was good until later, but so that, that year was like really, really dark. And I was like falling deep into like self-harm and like suicidal thoughts. And I had nobody to talk to through that. Um, that same year, the youth pastor that I was really close with left. He left the church. He moved to a different state. And for whatever reason, I thought that was about me when actually it was just about like what the Lord is, was calling him to and calling yeah. his family to. And like for, yeah, literally whatever reason, I was like, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. Like even my youth pastor left me like, screw this. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And I had lost like so many friends. A lot of people found out about like some lies that I had told and they were like, we don't want to mess with you. Like you're psychotic. I was like, okay, cool. Fair. (laughs) Honestly, I don't blame you. And at this point I was like, honestly, I don't care if people hate me. I hate me too. Like whatever. And I was just so deep in this pit of like, not only self-hatred, but I hated everybody. Like literally everybody that I talked to, I was like, gosh, I just hate you. Like I know, like it, turned to my family and I was really hateful towards my family and there was like one person in my family that I loved and that was my cousin um we grew up being like best friends um so like while I was dealing with a lot of this like depression and like a lot of suicidal thoughts she was the only one there so like praise god for that yeah um that summer, I grew up going to a camp called Clydehurst. So amazing. Literally yeah. such a good camp. Mm-hmm. I've met so many incredible people there, and it has, like, really changed my life. Yeah. I was serving there, even though I didn't love Jesus, which I hate to admit, <laughs> but it's true. I was only ever a sub, and if you worked at Clydehurst with me, you know that joke. I was never working there full time, but I would go for, like, nine out of the ten weeks to work. Yeah. But I was just a sub. Like, yeah. I didn't actually work there. Um <laughs> Anyway, so while I was there, I was still making bad decisions, even while I was working at camp. It was terrible. But I had met, like, the most amazing people there, and I had really created some, like, really dope friendships. None of them lived in Billings, of course, because why would I have anybody near me? That's, like, a huge theme in my life is, like, I meet all of these amazing people. Oh, they live in Bozeman. Oh, they live in Nebraska or Iowa or wherever. Um, And so I've always felt just, like, distant from everybody that I love. Um. So, where was I? I'm kind of going all over the place. Um, let's see. Okay, yeah. So, that youth pastor had left, and I got even, like, even more depressed. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, at this point, it was way past just, like, sadness. It was more like, if I died right now and I didn't go to heaven, I wouldn't even care. Mm-hmm. I just want to be done. Like, I can't stand to, like, look at myself. I hate the person I am. I hate what I've done. And, like... There's no way of ever, like, leaving what I've done. Like, I've, I'm too far gone. And that was a sin, I believe, for a really, really long time. That was a lie that, like, was really guarding my heart. And, like, that was a huge wall that was built up. It was, like, abandonment issues, hatred of myself, hatred of others, and then hatred of myself again, just to mm. make sure it wouldn't get <laughs> broken down. Um, and so after he left... That was, like, my breaking point. I stopped going to the youth group for a while. I stopped going to church. Didn't read my Bible, like, ever. Even at this point, I had, like, maybe opened my Bible to take a picture for Instagram, but that was about it. <laughs> like, oh, on Instagram, I was a Christian. Like, yeah. full-on loved Jesus so much. Yeah. Um, 
which is not okay. Yeah. Like I thought I was set. As long as I put a Bible verse on my story, I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. We're all good. Like yeah. relationship is set. So from that point on, I got more and more broken. And that was within like, what, three months of my senior year. And which felt like an eternity. Right. That year was terrible. And then COVID happened, which was a whole nother thing. Um, yep. So I think it was like two months before COVID happened, I had given my life to Jesus. I, I honestly don't remember where I was or how it happened, but I had just decided I was like, okay, like if I don't want to live for anything else, like at least I could live for Jesus. Cause like, I know Jesus is alive and active. Don't want to believe it, but I do know that, like, I know it's true. And so I was like, okay, we'll try this, whatever. And so I actually fell like deeply in love with Jesus. Like I started like actually inquiring his heart and like his heart for me and like started to heal from a lot of the baggage that I was carrying. And so I decided, I was like, I'm going to do YWAM. Like a lot of my friends are doing YWAM, which is youth with a mission. If you don't know what that is. Um, and I was like, I went to Ecuador. I love missions. Like yeah. I want to do YWAM. That sounds awesome. And so I had gotten like all through the interview process, got accepted. And I was like, okay, this is my escape. I can finally get the heck out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I can meet some friends. I can fall more in love with Jesus, maybe lead worship. Like that'd be cool. I know I can sing. Sure. Yeah. We'll try that out. And so it was a lot of just like my goal for that was to escape. And then COVID happened. Nobody could go anywhere. Nobody could escape anything. You just had to sit and stay. And that actually ended up being the best thing that has ever happened to me personally. Like it was a terrible thing and like wouldn't yeah. want to go through that again. Yeah. But like personally and religiously and spiritually and relationally, that was the best thing that has ever happened. Um, during that time, actually, my brother left for the military and that was super hard. Um, and that was like right before COVID had happened. And then he was in basic training and then it all happened. Then he got out of basic training. He was like, well, I can't go anywhere. Yeah. I guess I have to stay here. Yeah. So I didn't see him for a really long time, but that was the closest we had ever been. We were writing letters back and forth and we, I literally, I remember sobbing because I was finally writing out like, I'm sorry. That's mm -hmm. all I said. And I was like, holy crap, I'm free. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> and I didn't realize like the weight of like apologizing. I didn't realize like that actually holds a lot of weight mm. as long as it's sincere. Anybody yeah. can say like, Oh, sorry. But yeah. like when you mean it, it's like a different kind of change. And so through this time, it was a lot of me hanging out with my family, which was my biggest nightmare, <laughs> but it actually ended up being so, so fruitful. Yeah. And like my mom and I became friends. Like I didn't realize like, I had a lot of resentment towards my mom because I blamed her for my dad leaving. So I was like, you could have done more. Like he would have stayed if you just did this and this and this. And I thought mm. that her sacrificing her morals just to keep my dad around would have solved everything, yeah. which is just not the case. Like yeah. my dad is a broken person. Yeah. Like I'm a broken person. We all have our things. And like him leaving is probably what he needed to do. Still sucky. Still wish yeah. it didn't happen. But I also wouldn't change it for the world because the Lord has moved in so many ways. Um, but anyway, I spent a lot of time with my mom throughout the whole like quarantine yeah. thing. We were like outside doing all of this like super fun things. And I actually got to see her heart and like her personality as an adult. Cause for COVID, like I didn't have to go to school. Like I was yeah. out 
three months early for my senior year, which a which is a huge huge blessing. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't speak. <laughs> it was a huge blessing. I started to really walk away from the cloud of like depression that was over my life and like started seeking after Jesus on my own time because I couldn't go to church. So how was I supposed to get filled up? Yeah. Well, I guess I have to open this book that I have on my <laughs> shelf that's dusty. Yeah. So wiped off my Bible, opened it, started falling in love with the word, which was so cool. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the word like come to life. Like I always thought like, oh, it's just another history book. I don't want to do more like learning in school. It's so <laughs> stupid. But actually like the word is exactly what I needed. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So Falling deeper in love with Jesus and like hearing his heart and seeing his heart actually like alive and active, like whether it was through my grandparents or through just like his creation. Like I spent a lot of time outside and seeing like trees and clouds. I never would have thought that I would fall in love with Jesus because of like a tree. Yeah. But like, man, I could go on about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my mom and I started to heal our relationship. Um, my brother and I were really, really tight. My grandparents and I, I'd like finally apologize to my grandparents because like throughout this whole time, I was a devil to be around. <laughs> it was terrible. I was sassy. I was like, not even like funny sassy. I was blatantly like bullying my family because sure. I was so angry. And like, it all stemmed from me not being honest and not telling them where I was at and like asking for help. And it was me trying to hide the fact that, man, like I'm a broken person. I don't want them to see that. So I'm going to be mean instead. So, um, I had started building a wall of like bitterness and that finally started getting broken down during that whole quarantine time. Okay. Um, still dealing with that a lot. And like, that's something the Lord is still working through and I'm sure. excited to see how that like unfolds. But during yeah. this time it was like broken down a lot. And so, um, yeah, finally started loving the Lord and then COVID things started lifting a little bit. A couple more of my friends had moved away, which is hard because, like, all of my friends were stuck in billing. So I was like, this is a party. Like, yeah. I can hang out with whoever I want. Nobody's going off to college. Like, yeah, I'm not going to YWAM, but all my friends are still here. So that's yeah. fun. And so I was hanging out with a lot of people, still making really dumb decisions. Like, I didn't realize, like, drinking underage, like, that's still illegal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really is. Or, like, vaping, that's still bad. Like, yeah. I didn't realize that. But, um, so, yeah, that was, like, the whole time during quarantine, I was striving after Jesus, still making mistakes, yeah. but also, like, trying to love Jesus yeah. as much as I could on my own. Yeah. And so, I'm trying to think. There was, like, a specific date. can't remember the number. But I was outside on the rims, and I was sitting there vaping, drinking, doing all that thing. But I had my Bible in my car, and for whatever reason... I was like, I feel like I should read my Bible right now. Like, it seems very scenic outside. It looks pretty. I feel like this would be aesthetic if I opened my yeah. Bible, took a picture, whatever. Yeah. So, open my Bible, Jeremiah 29 11, first yeah. thing I saw. Yeah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Read that. Oh, wait, what? Hold on. Is that true? Yeah. And so, in that moment, like, I prayed a lot in church, but like, thank you, Jesus, for this day. That's it. Yeah, right. But in that moment, I read, like, I know the plans I have for you. Holy crap. I didn't realize, like, that was true until literally, like, three years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, it's crazy, like, how recent this all was. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. 
it's hard for me to think about because I feel like I've been following Jesus for my entire life when actually it's only been like a year and a half, which is insane. So I like got deep in prayer that day and finally again surrendered. And I've always struggled with surrender because it's like not just a one time thing. It's like a daily thing. Yeah. And hearing the verse, like you have to take up your cross daily. Didn't know what that meant. (laughs) No, like, that did not make sense, but now I, I'm starting to understand. Um, but I heard so vividly, like Hannah, like I love you from the Lord. And I had never heard that before. Mm. Like, obviously my family was like, Oh, I love you. Like you're great. I didn't think anybody meant it until Mm. that moment when I, for the first time ever, finally listened, gave the Lord time to speak gave the lord time to move um it's actually funny in that moment i like threw my vape off the rims i threw whatever yeah. i was drinking off the rims <laughs> yeah. in like symbolic yeah. like I'm solidarity done. yeah seriously <laughs> i was like this is surrender right here <laughs> if i can't see it it's not real yeah um and so after that like obviously with addiction comes withdrawals when sure. you go through that so i Stop vaping. I stopped drinking. I stopped partying. I stopped sleeping around. I stopped doing all of the things that I was doing. And finally, again, started chasing after the Lord. And this time, it actually went really well <laughs> because I was obedient. It's crazy how that works. Yeah, that's wild. And so going back and forth for so long actually like distorted my image of who Jesus was because mm-hmm. I thought he was back and forth. I was like, I'm falling back into sin because Jesus isn't close to me Mm. when actually, no, I'm just being blatantly disobedient. There were so many things that the Lord had strictly called me into, but I was saying like, no, you don't want that. Like, that seems weird. Mm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite actually. And so, um, through all of this, it was still COVID. And so my church wasn't like in session, I guess. And so we were doing this thing it was like youth group live and we would do it on Instagram live. Mm -hmm. And I was a graduating senior. So we did like senior spotlight. And so I went on to the Instagram live and I was talking with the youth pastor at the time. And he was like, what do you have planned for after high school? Like, what are your plans for this next year? I was like, Oh, my plans actually just got canceled. So I guess just following Jesus. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I just said. I was like, Oh gosh, now I have to follow Jesus. That's what people are (laughs) expecting of me. Yeah, seriously. I was like, if it's on Instagram, it's true. (laughs) So I have to follow that. Um, but actually like saying that out loud, I got excited for like the first time ever. I felt like this overwhelming sense of joy. Like as a child, I was a very happy little old person. And then all of these things kept happening. Dad leaves, boys, drugs, alcohol, all of this stuff kept whittling away at my happiness. And I, yeah, would have like fun, but like I was never happy. Mm. And like, that's something that like hurts to think about. Cause it's like, I wasted so much time being so sad and so caught up in my own sin and in what other people thought of me where I couldn't even be happy, Mm. which is like one of the easiest things to feel is like happy. Like if you look around, like there's so much to be happy about. But then like in that moment, I felt like so much joy, which is so different. I didn't realize like joy and happiness are so different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that day I, after the whole Instagram thing, I broke down i was walking out of the church and i just like i looked up and i was like 
why is this happening? Like, why can't I just follow you? Like, why can't I feel like this all the time? This is so stupid. Like, I don't even want to like search for you anymore if it's not a constant thing. Like, mm. if I don't feel the way that I feel right now, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm done. I'm I'm going to be so pissed. And so this was a conversation I was having out loud with God, yeah. which was embarrassing. <laughs> Didn't know people were around. They were. It was. It's fine. <laughs> Vulnerability at its finest. Yeah. Um, so went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, felt so much joy. Hmm. Literally woke up and just felt renewed and felt like excited to get out of bed, which was the first time that has ever happened. Yeah. Um, so... Going off of that, I tried as hard as I could to walk out in that joy and like spread that to my family and spread that to my friends and just say like, man, I think I've really found Jesus. Like, I'm so excited. Like, this is what joy looks like. Like, I'm so excited for this and this and this. And then I started like actually diving deep into my personal relationship with Jesus, found great friends, found awesome community. Um, We like would have cute little worship nights and like, I had never really like expressed my love for like music and worship out loud, like mm. at my house, like absolutely. And like in Ecuador I did, but that was because I would never see those people right. again. <laughs> right. And so then here I started playing guitar. I started playing ukulele and like piano and singing and we would have worship nights. And that was the first time I'd ever like sung in front of somebody. And one of my friends, dads, who's like extremely talented, looked at me. He was like, man, that's awesome what what was that I was like what do you mean he goes did you hear what you just did and I was playing guitar and I was singing and um we were singing oh come to the altar which is great song Mm -hmm. old one it's a good one yeah so we were singing that and in that moment apparently this is just what I heard was the Lord like gave me this new song of like I'm loved I'm loved I'm loved I just kept singing that over and over and over again and it was like a whole like out of body experience. Like I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't know that's what I was singing, but we were like so deep in worship and just knowing that like the Lord was speaking through me in that moment. It was crazy. I don't even know how, how to explain it. Don't really know what happened to this day, but like (laughs) that's when I was like, Oh my gosh, worship is cool. Like worship through music is like something special. Mm. So from that day, I was like, man, I really need to get plugged in somewhere. I was too old for youth group. I was too young to just like only go to like big kid church, which I still call it big kid church because it's it's scary. Like going on a (laughs) Sunday morning, I feel like I'm going to a straight up seminar, which I love. It's the best. But I was like, I need people my age. I need to not just go to church with my grandparents anymore. Like this needs to be my own thing. So that's when I started coming to Faith Chapel, mm. um, which was so exciting. I came with two of my friends for the first time ever to young adults. And literally on my first night here, the worship leader, Mr. Jake, came mm-hmm. up to me. He goes, were you guys singing harmonies? I was like, no. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah. I was singing so loud. I had never witnessed worship like that. Growing up in a Baptist church, I don't think I worshiped once, mm. which is like nothing about the church. It's just, just the way that I perceived it was... Yeah. If you worship in an expressive way, you're wrong. And like one of my friends here actually went to that same church and we've talked a lot about just like church hurt and the ways that that has affected us. And she, she was actually asked, this is like a big part of her testimony. So you'll hear that maybe some other time, (laughs) but she was asked to move to the back because the way that she was worshiping was distracting Mm. and 
finding out that she was told that while I felt that I was yeah. like, I can't raise my arms. I like can't do anything. I'm going to be told that I'm like being distracting or I'm act- asking for attention, which was probably true when I was that age. But yeah. like growing up in that, I didn't know what it looked like to be like set free during worship. And so I was just standing there. Wouldn't really sing. Cause I wasn't good enough. Like that family from that church that was surrounding the youth group was so talented, mm. like musically so talented. And they were all like tall, skinny blondes. And like, I had auditioned for worship one time. This is something. Um, so <laughs> I, I like auditioned for the worship team and I was told that my voice was too low and raspy mm. to be a girl singer. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what do you mean? And so I never really sang after that. And except for that one night with our little worship night anyway. So then that night at young adults hearing like that, I was like heard. I was like, mm. that's dope. Like that's yeah. super cool. And so I went back in this hallway and Jake was like, okay, can you guys sing like the melody or like the harmony to reckless love? Like you do whatever you want. Literally the next week he asked me to like join the worship team. I was yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> this is my first time at this church and I'm already like being able to like lead and serve. Mm. Like that was crazy to me. That was the first time I think that I'd ever felt like genuinely like noticed at Mm. church, which is like a whole nother thing is like when you are in the church, especially in a leadership role, if you're not doing a good job of like making people feel seen, known and loved, I'm sorry, you need to evaluate something. And like, yeah, it was mind blowing that I was like greeted at the door and like people were like, Hey, like, are you new? I've never seen you around here. Or mm. the worship leader who is incredibly talented comes up to me and says, would you be willing to like sing with me sometime? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, yeah. I'd love to. And so that got me even more excited to like keep coming back and keep pursuing. And like, I finally felt like I was on the right track. Mm-hmm. And like through this time, I still like, even to this day, I'm still insecure, still have my problems, yeah. but like finally felt like the Lord had some sort of plan for my life. And there was one sermon that you gave actually, Evan, that really, really changed the way that I viewed Jesus. And literally all you said was Jesus loves you. And like, he delights in who you are. I was like, say that one more time, (laughs) hold on. And just sitting that sitting there and hearing that was life changing. Cause I didn't know, like, even though I was walking through a lot of like dark things and like my words can't express like the hurt that I felt and like have felt, but words can't express how good God is. And like, I can do a good job of like explaining my like depression and like the way that I felt. I can never explain like how much God even loved me through that. Yeah. And like, that's something that will never make sense to me is like, how could God love me and delight in me? Even though I was, going to church on a Wednesday night, then the Friday after I was getting plastered as a 15 year old. Yeah. Like he delights in me. Like that's crazy. And so, um, I think two, three weeks after I started coming to faith chapel, I was still going to my other church at the time and I was still serving there and I was serving in junior high and like, that was fun. I did it because my other friends were serving. I was like, this seems like the right thing to do, whatever. And then There were a couple people here that I had really clicked with and like finally found some friends that were my age and that were funny and like to do the things that I did and like really just made me feel loved and seen. And they were like, have you ever thought about like serving in junior high? I was like, oh, I do at my other church, like whatever. 
They're like, no, like, I think you're needed here. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I started one night. I like shadowed one of my friends at the youth group here immediately fell in love with the students here and just the culture that it created. I've never seen so many broken middle schoolers, but in that, like literally that night I talked with a girl about the fact that her dad had just left her and that she was struggling with falling into sin with boys. And she was feeling insecure all in this one night. This girl came up to me, approached me out of all people. She didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And now she's in my small group. So like, that's crazy. (laughs) But we had like 30, 35 minute conversation that first night that I was here I had not making it I had not made a connection with another student like that I was like okay if this isn't a sign that I need to be here if this isn't like something that like is telling me like you need to serve here you need to connect with these students you need to bring that here I don't know what it was so the next week I had a meeting with the youth pastor that I was serving for I was like, I need to leave. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want this to offend you. I don't want this to be like, oh, I'm leaving the church and I'm never stepping back, but I'm finally walking into what the Lord has for me. I'm not just doing it because my friends are doing it. I'm not just doing it because I grew up in this church and this is where I feel like I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. But I'm finally listening to the fact that like the Lord has placed this specific girl. If that's the only girl I meet at Faith Chapel, if that's the only student that I'm able to reach, that's still one. And like, that's still like, expanding the kingdom of heaven and like that's the end goal yep and so that was a really hard conversation and there was actually a lot of hurt that came from that and even to this day i still feel like i disappointed a lot of people which is never a fun feeling but i also can't feel too bad because i'm walking out what the lord has called Mm me to um so yeah i've been leading in junior high and it's been super awesome and doing some worship stuff and i didn't realize like man Worship, like leading worship is hard because I stepped on to the worship team at young adults still in a place of like sin and still in a place of not fully being committed to Jesus. Um, But I stepped into that and I don't know when it snapped, but I'm like, okay, I'm finally for the, hopefully for the last time I'm all in, I'm ready to go. Like Jesus is my man. I am set. I'm ready to worship this guy for the rest of my life. And so like trying to think how long it was after that we did church and coffee which was my first ever experience with that and I was able to lead Mm -hmm. that was wild yeah so weird but I that night was like so powerful for me um not gonna lie there was this guy that I was interested in (laughs) at church and coffee that came up to me after and was saying like Hannah you're anointed in this and like I have never seen you so in love with Jesus. And I think like, this is what the Lord has for you, whether it be like leading on or off the stage, like you can lead worship if you're not on the stage. And like, that's a new concept for me. Didn't know that, but I'm starting to finally understand that. But he was saying like, and me and this guy like know each other really, really well. And for him to just like speak that over me, I was like, man, people actually love me. Mm. And this is something like, this was what, like maybe a year ago. And I had just realized that people love me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sad, but also exciting because yeah. it's growth and it's renewal and it's like all new things and I'm excited. But anyway, long story short, that was the first time anybody has ever said like, you're anointed or like, mm-hmm. this is what the Lord has for you. 
And going back to that day on the rims of like, this is the plan I have for you, declares the Lord. Mm. And then hearing out loud, like, man, like Jesus has plans for you. Like God has plans for you. I didn't realize that that was actually true until I stepped into a role. Mm. Like you can't expect some outcome if you're not willing to like step in first. Like you have to, I think it was you that said it a couple of weeks ago that was like, you have to raise your hand and move your feet. Like you can't mm-hmm. just raise your hand and make the decision. Yeah. Like you also have to move your feet. That's good. Like that's <laughs> so good. And I think that started like when I stepped into worship and like stepped into that. Um, and then this last year I was asked to sing at camp and that was my first experience with like worship. That wasn't just one guitar and like acoustic <laughs> that was like well other than church and coffee but that was still pretty low-key yeah at yeah. camp that's crazy worship uh, yeah that does not make sense to me <laughs> still to this day it's i'm like party Holy, and it really is but like the best kind of party yeah. ever um and so i was asked to lead at camp and the week that i was on worship at camp i was so attacked my identity was broken down again mm. i was singing the song as i am you must most of you have probably heard it but I was leading that song and I was like, the song's so dumb. Like, I hate singing this song. <laughs> like, because I was still wrestling with the sin, like, this is something I didn't talk about at all, but I was still wrestling with the fact that, like, I still don't think I'm loved. Like, I still don't think that the Lord has plans for me. And I've, like, always really struggled with doubt. Um, and so, like, trying to lead that song from a place of honesty and humility was yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, and so singing those words, like, you take me as I am, like over and over again, you take me as I am. I was singing that. I was not believing it. The first mm. couple times that we sang that song, holy crap, I should not have been on that stage. <sighs> and I, yeah, I really should have walked away in that moment. But the Lord is very faithful yeah. and has a lot of mercy, has a lot of grace. And he brought me to a place of like conviction and redemption that night. And the next morning, led the song again from a whole new place. And I I think that was the first time that I saw, like, I like to call it healing. I don't know. It might not be, like, healing, healing, because I still struggle a little bit. But the Lord was starting to do a work on my heart of, like, you are loved. You are seen. Just because your dad left you doesn't mean you're not able to be loved. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I'm kind of rambling at this point. No, but um. After camp, I led my first night at junior high on worship, and I didn't realize, like, camp doesn't have to just be camp. Like, camp can be here. And, like, even growing up, going to summer camps, like, I thought camp was it. And, like, that was my relationship with Jesus. Then you come home, you sin, go back to camp to repent, and then you come back, do it all over again. Yeah. Um, And so I – this was my first summer ever at – a different camp so that was scary and i'm like kind of an adult so it's scary yeah, walk- sure. i'm still i'm still 12 whatever <laughs> okay anyway um so this was my first summer not being at the camp that i was comfortable at and it was a new group of students that i had never seen and i was trying to lead a cabin of girls that i had never met before whereas mm-hmm. like at my other youth group i had literally grown up with those students that i was leading so yeah. i knew everything about them it was really easy to lead them but for these girls that are wrestling with drinking and drugs and alcohol I didn't witness that like except for me like I had I didn't know that was like a thing for middle schoolers and so I think that was actually like one of the first times I had ever shared my testimony and it was on like the third night of camp 
my first time ever counseling at Camp on the Boulder, I was like, okay, I feel really called to share my testimony. Like, I gave them every detail. Probably not smart. They're a bunch of junior high girls. They have big mouths. Yeah. Like, there was there was some things said about me, and I'm like, can't be ashamed of it because it is my story. Yeah. I did make those decisions, but whatever. And so, um, starting to be freed a lot at camp was like crazy, and I, I felt bad because I feel like camp is for the campers, but it also like. It helps like the leaders just as much as the campers, which is so awesome. And like growing together and like not only leading, but also being changed as well. Um, So weirdly enough, like that was when I finally, like finally found out like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's fine that I didn't go to YWAM. It's fine that COVID happened. Like, yeah, a lot of hurt came from that, but I'm also like learning and growing so much and I wouldn't change like, the past year, year and a half for the world. Like Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of like trials and a lot of like hurt that has come this last year. And like my dad wrote me a letter actually this last year, literally the first time I heard from him in 10 years, however long. And he was asking me for money. He had just had like (laughs) classic classic. He had just had like a huge health scare and he was like, Hey, this is your dad. I was like, no, it's not. Remember me? Not <laughs> Who <really>. is that? <laughs> yeah. Something about me that I think you all should know, just in case we talk. I am very sarcastic and I make a lot of inappropriate jokes about my quote unquote trauma. Yeah. So just know like it is coming from a place of like, I'm not trying to make people uncomfortable. It's just how I'm trying to cope. Yeah. But anyway, so I got this letter from my dad and he was like, Hey, I had like a really big health scare. Like I need money. I need your help. And I was like, Mm, no so I still haven't responded to this day which like I still like I don't feel guilty but I'm like because I know I don't owe him anything but it's also hard because it's like because of my relationship with Jesus I do want to love people well Mm -hmm. but I also don't know where to like draw the line with that because like my healing and like my love for Jesus is important in the fact that like I am seeking after Jesus and like Jesus is the king of my life and like Mm -hmm. the one who rules my life it is hard to still try to fight those boundaries of like do i give in to that like do i give in to sending my dad money when he has hurt me like yes it is so important to like love your enemies and like love those who persecute you and like just love people well in general but i also do think it's a big part of like my healing process to say no and like set up those boundaries because like there is still a lot of hurt from my dad leaving and like I still bring it up all the time. Yeah, I still of course. I'm still sad about it, which is like I didn't know, but like that is okay. Like it is okay that I'm still healing and I'm yep. still I don't think I'll ever be fully healed from this, but I do know that the Lord is still going to work through it and like I can't wait to have kids someday. I cannot wait to be the best freaking mother. Mm. I can't wait to get married so I have the best husband and he's going to be the best father. Like mm. If it wasn't for the Lord, like, I wouldn't be able to look at marriage like that. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I never had a good view of what marriage looked like. But, like, so going back, like, I think it is okay to let go, even though, like, my dad is still my family. Like, he's still, like, my blood family. Yeah. But after walking into a family in Christ and, like, seeing the way that, like, people can love me and should love me and, like, the way that people do deserve to be loved well. Like it is okay to step away from that 
awful circumstance. And like, that's something that the Lord is teaching me like right now is like, it's okay to still be sad. It is okay to be anxious. It is Mm -hmm. okay to like still deal with depression, but you also do have to trust me with it. And it's hard. And like, (laughs) just to be completely honest with you guys, like this past month, month or two has been really awful. And like, yeah, there's been a lot of like scary things recently with just like anxiety coming back to the surface and like depression coming back to the surface. But it's not like anything I've gone through before because if I would have gone through what I'm going through right now, like even a couple months ago, like I can't say that I would trust Jesus. Mm. But like because of how good God is and, and like how good his plan is for my life, like I can sit and just be okay that I am broken. Mm. And like something that you say, Evan, all the time is like, God uses messy, broken people to do things that create change. And like, that's crazy. Mm. Like that will never not be such good news. Mm-hmm. It's like, no matter how much I think I'm healed, no matter how much I think I'm like set, like I'm still going to have things to walk through. And right. like, I'm still 12. Evan likes to remind me that I'm 12 <laughs> a lot. And so I am still 12 and I'm still like, I have a lot of things that I'm still going to walk through. And there is a lot of life left for me. But instead of looking at that with like anxious eyes, I'm like looking and I'm so expectant for what the Lord is going to not only use me to do, but use others like in my life to do. And I like can't wait for the people that I'm going to meet. And like, I can't wait for like all of the people that I get to talk to and like share my story with. And like testimonies are weird. Cause it's like scary. Yeah. Like this isn't all of it. Like I would love to like go more in depth, but I'm not going to make this podcast five hours long. <laughs> so if you ever want to talk about it, yeah. let me know. Um, but yeah, like it is so crazy with testimonies and like God has just like specifically written my story this way because there are people who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. Even on my way over t- like today, I was like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, I'm so anxious. I'm so scared. But like, just the reminder of the fact that like, everybody deserves to hear good news. And that might look different for certain people. But like at the baseline of it is like, Jesus died so that we were saved from sin. He Mm -hmm. died the death that we deserved on the cross to be saved from sin. And like, it took me a long time to hear that and receive it. And so I did walk through a lot of sin. I did walk through a lot of like things that caused me death to my spirit but because of my renewal in Christ and being born again to his plan for my life like I'm able to have a story that has impact yeah come on and like I'm so passionate about like wanting to hear people's stories why wouldn't people be excited to hear mine you know and like that's where comparison comes into is like everybody's story has weight like even if you haven't walked through crazy things like Jesus has still worked in your life yeah like as a follower of Christ, like you have witnessed change. Like, yeah. Even if your life hasn't looked crazy, like my story is like not that bad. Like there are people who've had it a lot worse, but I'm not going to discredit the fact that like Jesus still loves me and he's still working and yeah. he's still making me new and he's going to use my story to like impact other people. So yeah, I yeah. think that's like one of the big things I'm learning now is just like trusting that. God does have a plan and he does have a purpose for me and for you and for everybody I come in contact with. Like even some people who I don't understand what they're going to do good. Like there are some like really nasty people in the world, but 
God can still use them and God can still work on their behalf. So even like my dad, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. I'm like, I cannot wait for the day that that man gets saved. Yeah. Man, his testimony is yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah, come like on. that's so cool. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. And I think it's important to share our stories in yeah. hopes that God is going to use our stories to speak to somebody so that they might know him. Yeah. So yeah, I so think that's good. all I have. That's so good. That's so good. Well, it's not all you have because there is something coming. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. you, you've told parts of your story leading up to this point, but like, you got to tell everybody like what's next now. Mm -hmm. So what's next? Yeah. So I am actually fundraising for YWAM again. That yep. was a thing that kind of just happened. Yeah. I was praying about it a lot. And like prayer is a touchy thing for me because it's like <laughs> I, I struggle praying out loud because I'm like, I want to have it all together. I want to not have a lisp. I want to not have a freaking stutter, but it just happened. So I like <laughs> there was one day I was with a group of my friends and I was like, guys, can we just pray? And I was like, Lord, please give me a plan for my life. Like, yes, right now, I love doing what I do. I love leading junior high. I love leading at young adults. I love leading worship and like having those opportunities. Like I don't deserve it, but I get to do it. So I'm going to do it dang well. Yeah. So yeah, but I am just so ready to just like go and be sent and like do things and reach everybody in the nations. And so I'm like, yeah, let's pray. Let's pray about YWAM again. Like that could be cool. Yeah. So just praying about that and like over and over and over again, just hearing like YWAM come up in different conversations. I was like, it's kind of weird. Maybe I should just apply again. Yeah. So I applied. And then in January of this next year, actually, I'll be going on January 5th. I'll be flying out to Kona, Hawaii, which is not a bad place to go. Oh, if I do say something. Yeah, super bummer. I know. I'm going to be so tan and <laughs> so happy. <laughs> no, it'll be good. So that's plan as of now i'm fundraising for that and it's been a really scary process to fundraise because sure. asking people for money is terrifying yep. but the lord has also given people gifts of giving yeah. and that's something new that i've been learning is like people are equipped to give yeah. so why would i not share like why would i not like ask people for help and mm -hmm. like why would i not want to partner with people to like pray over this for my life like even if it's not like financially like prayer is everything yeah. like if you're not praying like i'm sorry but that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. So yeah, I've been fundraising for that. And as of currently, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then in January, I'm going to go off and I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm uh. excited for you. I'm sad to, to lose you <laughs> as a young adult leader, but I'm super pumped to see what the Lord You'll does be okay. through you. Yeah. Well, There's other great people. <laughs> there are. There are. There are a lot of other great people out there. Um, Hannah, thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. your story. And you said, uh, you said the phrase, um, your story holds weight. And your story holds weight. And I love mm. that you uh, were vulnerable and you told your story. And we're hoping that you, you are going to inspire other people to tell theirs. And we're just going to start a, a culture of people being mm. honest and vulnerable and, and uh, really getting down into what's really happened in our lives. And mm -hmm. so thank you for taking the time to do it. Mm -hmm. You're appreciated. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.